Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. I'm going to talk for a couple of days on preparation for the ministry and finding discovery of the ministry call that God has for you. We're going to be taking up two individuals. Today we'll take up Stephen, and tomorrow we're going to take up Philip. I know you're going to be blessed out of Acts chapter 6. Let's go to Acts chapter 6 together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello, welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here today. For those of you that are new, brand new, this is your first time to watch the program, I welcome you and a whole lot of other people welcome you too. They've been watching for many years, many months, or many days. So again, thank you for joining with us. We're sure you're going to enjoy it. And I'm a teacher of the Word of God. I just love to take passages of Scripture and just open them up, and even a Scripture and open it up. Sometimes even break down the words that are in there. Today we're going to be taking up the fact that there are two people we're going to talk about out of Acts chapter 6. They were to choose seven men full of faith of the Holy Spirit, and out of that, those were the seven they made the first deacons in the early church. But the first two mentioned are really what we're going to talk about today, and that's Stephen, and tomorrow we're going to get into Philip. So we'll take up a couple of days on this subject. And basically, this comes down to finding the will of God. And open with me to Acts chapter 5, because we're going to find out something here. If we jump first to Acts chapter 6, where they chose these seven men, and uh, the problem was the uh, Greek widows were being neglected in the daily uh, handing out of the food and the finances for the widows. And it seemed like the Hebrew women were being treated better and probably were because the leadership of the church were Hebrews. But when brought to their attention, they immediately says, we've got to settle this thing and we have to do it right. So they just said, seven, find seven men. These were young men, find seven men just these prerequisites, full of the Holy Spirit, full of power, and that we can appoint over this business. So find faithful, faithful people in the church and that are working presently already because this is the key to finding your call in the kingdom of God. But where did they find these men? How did they know? Well, it's interesting that it didn't say in chapter six how they, they just said they chose these seven men. And you could assume, well, they were doing this, they were doing that, they were opening doors, they were sweeping carpets, they were cleaning toilets, whatever they were doing. But I think it's interesting if we go back one chapter, I believe this tells us what they were doing. And it says in Acts chapter five, take a look with me at verses five and six, then we'll jump down to nine and 10. But in verses five and six, it says, Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the spirit. Great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now, this Ananias, you know the story, Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, uh, they saw in the church, they saw a leadership in the church, giving finances to the church and, and blessing the church with money. And uh, But then they saw one man come in the church, Barnabas, and he gave a large amount of money because he sold a piece of property. And he got great notoriety. So that's what they were looking for was notoriety in the church. So they sold a piece of property also, but they lied about how much they were giving to the church. They said, here, we're giving you all of it. When the Holy Spirit told Peter, as the director of the church at that time, they're lying and they didn't. So again, when he told Ananias, he just fell down dead right there, the sin unto death. And then in verse nine, it says about three hours later, uh, when his wife came to church, again, this must've been a long service because it was going on for a long time. It says in verse nine, then Peter said to her, this is unto Sapphira, how is it that you have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they'll carry you out. 
Then she fell down immediately at his feet and yielded up the spirit. And the young men came and wound and found her dead and carried her out and buried her by her husband. Now, I can't think of a, of a probably lower job in the church. I think I'd rather clean toilets than to bury dead people. But you know what? These seven, it doesn't say here that there were seven. It just says there were young men. They were volunteering in the church. And notice this, no one had to ask them. They just looked for things to do. And they saw, first of all, Ananias died. They ran and they grabbed his body and wrapped him up. Up and buried him. And three hours later, his wife fell down in church and she died. They ran in and grabbed her. You know, if there'd have been more, they would have done it. They were just looking for anything to do to help the church out. And they would take jobs nobody else would take. So the young men were volunteers of the church of Jerusalem. They were present in the congregation. They arose when needed. They wrapped and buried the body of Ananias, then stood by, wrapped and buried the body of Sapphira. And then this kind of story kind of ends here. The chapter goes on talking about other things. But in this chapter, it never mentions it again. But I believe this is the real reason why in the next chapter, when the congregation was asked to check out and find seven men of honest report and full of the Holy Spirit that could be appointed over the business of taking care of the, of the widows, the first things they thought about were these guys that just jumped in, shocked us. We weren't expecting that. I mean, Ananias fell down dead. We weren't thinking about burying his body. We were just shocked that a man died in church. But these young men perceived it, ran in and grabbed him, and were just doing a service. Then they did the same thing to his wife. Now in chapter six, here's how it comes out in verses one through seven. Here was the need for deacons in the early church. The church was exploding and multiplying fast. And there were certain things just stripping the needs. The needs were stripping the uh, supply for the needs. It says in verse one, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily ministration. The Greek word for ministration is deaconing. And so it says they were in the daily service in the church and the widows were being neglected. Such things were happening in the church stretching out. And it says that the widows of the Greeks felt like they were being treated less than the widows of the Hebrews. So the first thing we have, one of the first problems that arose in the church was racism, but we find here it was not intentional. When brought to the attention of the church leaders, they probably, well, you know, well, sure, we should have seen this, but we didn't see it. Let's settle this thing justly and correctly. It says in verse two, then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples to them and said, it is not pleasing to God that we should leave the word of God and deacon tables. The word serve is the word deacon. What they're saying is they come to us. Notice this, when people have a problem, they run straight to the pastor expecting him to settle it. And the pastors here turned it right over to the people. It says in verse three, wherefore, brethren, you look out among you seven men of honest report. That's inside and outside the church. In fact, Timothy tells us this in chapter three, they should have a good report of those outside the church in business. So it says that uh, we should leave the word of God. Brethren, look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit. That means they were filled with the spirit, full of wisdom, that's full of the word, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry, and here's the word again, deaconing. Three times the word deacon appears here in these verses of scripture and says that we should give ourselves to the deaconing of the word of God and the saying please the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Philip, 
Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before or in front of the apostles. And when they, the apostles had prayed, they laid their hands on them and the word of God increased. The number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. The first one chosen was Stephen and his name means crown. He's mentioned first as full of faith, That means he daily studied the word of God and he put it to use in his life. He was full of the word of God. If you ask him a question, the word of God came out because why? This is the main thing he studied, studied to show himself approved unto God. Next of all, filled with the Holy Spirit. This means he prayed in tongues each day, walked in the direction and counsel of the Holy Spirit and lived a spirit-filled life. And then he began taking care of widows in the church. I want to break this down. I want you to notice because the next one we're going to talk about tomorrow will be Philip. He's the second one mentioned. Stephen and Philip occupy the rest of chapter six here, all of chapter seven and all of chapter eight. In the second half of this chapter and all of chapter seven, is Stephen, and then chapter eight will be Philip. And so the first two mentioned here have the first two ministries talked about. From there on, we don't hear much about the rest of them. And uh, so we know here in these verses of scripture, they're the first ones. And I want you to notice something. What's interesting, Stephen was called to be a teacher a phenomenal teacher of the word of God. Exposition rolled out of him. His explanation and showing of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the Old Testament in his sermon is incredible. And I'll talk about it later. In fact, it's ranked as one of the three greatest sermons of the New Testament. The next one after him is Philip, and Philip became an evangelist. I want you to notice two totally different callings, a teacher and an evangelist. But notice this, the preparation was the same. The preparation for ministry is the same with everybody, but once you start preparing, the Holy Spirit can talk to you individually. You do what you're supposed to do, and that's found in the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit will begin to direct you after that. And Stephen found himself so interested in the Word of God and the revelation of the Word of God coming that he could see Jesus Christ in the books and in the prophets of the Old Testament and can see such detail that when he stood up to preach in front of the Pharisees of that day in the rest of this chapter and all of chapter seven, we find here an incredible sermon that literally made them angry, but probably caused a lot of people to receive Jesus on that day as the multitudes heard him to preach and teach. And so again, we come back to this. Preparation is the same for everybody. And listen to me, there there was a young man that came uh, to our church on a midweek night in September. I'll never forget this because school was about to begin. And he came to Tulsa to go to Rama Bible Training Center and came and introduced himself after church on that Wednesday night service. I'm a Rama student. I said, well, great. I can vouch for it. Great school. I taught there, became the dean of instructors. And he said, yes. And I said, so what's your call? He said, I'm called to be a pastor. I said, well, I can vouch for that too. It's a wonderful call. And then he just stood there. He wouldn't go away. And I thought, well, something. I said, am I missing something? He said, yes. I said, what is? He said, well, when can I preach from the pulpit? I said, when will you clean the carpets? When will you help my people? When will we work with the children? When will you volunteer for the youth to Department. When will you stand at the door as a greeter? When will you become an usher? He just looked at me and turned around and walked off. He wanted to bypass all that because it was beneath him. Nothing is beneath you. I mean, burying dead people has to rank below cleaning toilets. But these men did it, and because they were faithful to do whatever their hand could find to do and were quick to jump into things that nobody else would jump into, they received a calling from God. And notice this the preparation is the same for everybody. Faithfulness, faithfulness, faithful. Find anything your hand can find to do around the church, do it. And in so doing, God will open up your individual door and show you what your individual calling is. Stephen called to be a teacher. 
Philip called to be an evangelist for the Lord Jesus Christ. Each one in a place of service needs to be full of the word and the Holy Spirit, just as all of these were. Promotion can come to those that are faithful in the deacon's ministry. First Timothy chapter three deals with the deacon's ministry and says in verse 13, those who have used the office of a deacon well. You know what used means? Milk it for everything you can get out of it. I mean, every person you walk through the door, treat them like they're Jesus Christ himself. And every person you seat, do the same thing. Those who have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree. This is promotion because why? A deacon is the beginning place. It is the place that requires no call of God to be a deacon. You just are looking for some place to help in the church and it's not beneath your dignity to change diapers in children, to, to help in the children's department, youth department, whatever anybody needs, you're there to do it, even bury dead people. It goes on to say they also purchased to themselves not only promotion, but great boldness in the faith. And we're gonna see this in both cases with Stephen and with Philip, the boldness, the incredible boldness they had for the ministry. Turn to Acts chapter six. We'll take this up in more detail after halftime here coming up. And uh, what I wanna tell you also is we have a couple of books on this. One is the book of Acts, but the other one is called Calling and Separation. And the Calling and Separation book comes right back and is pulled out of the book of Acts also, that there's a time when God will uh, call you into a ministry and separate you into the ministry. But the most important thing is from the time that you feel a call on your life until the time you finally enter into the ministry, there's a time there for preparation. And what is that preparation? Faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. I'll see you right after the break. Have you ever wondered why some Christians who are obviously called and anointed by God never seem to move into the realm of success? We watch and wonder as they struggle knocking on doors that never open, while others have opportunities knocking at their door. Why are so many called, but so few chosen? God has a ministry for everyone, and He rewards those who are faithful to His call. Learn the keys to finding and walking in God's purpose for your life with Bob Yandian's book, Calling and Separation. The Calling and Separation book is available for $10 plus shipping and handling. To order your copy, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. At the dawn of the church age, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and power to his followers. From Pentecost, they were led by his Spirit to blaze a trail through the hazardous maze of pagan cultures and religious legalism. Like wildfire, the gospel spread through the known world, bringing salvation to a whole generation and triumph and trial to the church. In a New Testament commentary on Acts, Bob Yannian explores the exploits of those sent to uproot the binding vines of religion and philosophy and to sow the kingdom of God. Through evaluations of early congregations and detailed descriptions of their cities, Pastor Bob walks us through the exciting, perilous adventure of the early church. Order a New Testament commentary on Acts at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership.
Acts chapter 6, let's take a look beginning in verse 8. Here it says, speaking of Stephen, and this is when he first stepped into the ministry. Again, up until now, he's been a deacon, been in preparation, but by now he's known, he's called to be a teacher. He might even have been teaching around the church, but this is the first time the Holy Spirit and the book of Acts records this of him doing it in public. And it says in verse 8, Stephen, full of faith and power. Notice this, full of faith, that's the word of God. Full of power, that's the Holy Spirit. The two prerequisites that were laid down for them, as well as being faithful, it went on to say, did great miracles, wonders, and signs among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and those of Cilicia and Asia disputing with Stephen. These are arguing with him and arguing on an intellectual biblical level. And notice this, he handled himself fabulously. No biblical education as far as a Bible school. Everything he learned was in the church, sitting on the word of God, going home and studying the word of God for himself, applying it to his life and received a calling to be a teacher. It says in verse 10, and they were not able to resist the wisdom, that's the word, and the spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, those two prerequisites by which he spoke. These are two things you gain when you're in the deacon's ministry is a closeness to the word of God, the closeness to the Holy Spirit, which you take right on into the next part of your ministry. Verse 11, then they brought in secretly men which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous things against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses, which said, this man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against the whole, this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered unto us. And all that said in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face, and it was as the face of an angel. He was covered with the glory of God. This was God's stamp of approval in the midst of all the arguments and lies being told against him. When a person operates in the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, they cannot be resisted. This type of person stands out in a crowd of believers as one who will be used by God and go a long way. A person who is balanced in the word of God a person who's also balanced in the Holy Spirit is rare. We find people today of the word, we find people of the Holy Spirit, but putting these two together brought this great balance to this man and he could handle the supernatural, but he could also handle the disputing over the, the word of God and breaking down the word of God. Stephen began his ministry outside the church by debating the religious Jews in the temple. This is his public ministry. He probably did a little bit inside the church, but again, his public ministry began outside the church and they brought him in to debate the law. They thought they had him here because that's what they were good at. And he knew the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and how to apply it even better than they did. Cilicia is mentioned. It was in Asia Minor. The capital was Tarsus. And Saul was probably one who debated Stephen. And he and his religious friends would eventually gnash their teeth in anger against him because they could not stop him. What is Stephen's sermon? And what about the stoning of Stephen? His sermon is one of the greatest in all the New Testament. When I mentioned before that how great his sermon was, it ranks with three sermons in the word of God. First of all, his sermon, then there was Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. And there was also Paul's sermon on, Mar on Mars Hill. 
And uh, Bible scholars agree these are the three finest sermons of the New Testament in breaking down the Old Testament, applying it to the New and applying it to the Lord Jesus Christ. So he began his sermon being anointed by the visible glory of the Holy Spirit. He ended it by being taken up into that glory. That's the incredible thing about Stephen. Stephen's sermon told of deliverer after deliverer sent to Israel, but they were all rejected or killed by the people and by especially by the religious leaders. I love what was said about this. Then these men said it uh, later on. They said, well, if we would have been there, we would not have of kill the prophets. And I like what Jesus said, oh yes, you would. Not only did your fathers kill the prophets, he said, you're gonna kill the one they prophesied of. Boy, did that, did that uh, make them angry because they didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. And they knew by saying that our forefathers knew about Messiah and killed the prophets that came to preach and teach and prophesy about the Messiah. And he said, oh no, the one they prophesied of, I am him and you're gonna kill me. And they did just a few days later, they arranged for him to be crucified. Acts chapter six. Take a look at verse 52 through 60. This is again part of this incredible sermon that we have here that Stephen preached. And I want you to see the, 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 in, the incredible amount of expertise and the, and the anointing of God and the taking of the word of God and properly discerning it, properly dividing it to show Jesus Christ because the purpose of the Old Testament today for us is to reveal Jesus Christ. All the stories, all the prophecies, all of the all of the law and the sacrifices and the and the different uh, furniture t- and all the different things that happened in the Old Testament. Every one of those things point to Jesus Christ, of which Jesus Christ said, "I came to fulfill the law and the prophets." Beginning in verse fifty-two, here in Acts chapter seven, uh, Stephen is talking to those surrounding him, including Saul of Tarsus, who's standing there. Which of the prophets were not persecuted by your fathers? And they have slain those who showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom you have now been the betrayers and murderers of, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and then not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Many says, oh, look, they were convicted. No, the word cut here means he literally cut them open with the knife of the word of God and exposed the evilness of their heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped there as they, they, couldn't, they finally couldn't stop, stand anymore. He was so good and so powerful. And this guy was a deacon. He hadn't gone to the schools they had. He hadn't sat under Gamaliel. He hadn't gone to the, to the religious teachings of the Pharisees. No, none of that. He had just been in a local church saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the word of God, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, using every opportunity he could to exercise this calling that was on his life and they couldn't resist him. He literally out taught and exposed the word of God to them to where now it says in verse 57, and they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears. They finally couldn't stand it and they started screaming so they couldn't hear him and put their fingers in their ears while they were yelling and just stood there ah, with their fingers in their ears because they couldn't stand it anymore. They became like children. And then it said they ran at him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. 
And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling upon God and saying, Lord, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay this sin not to their charge. And when uh, he had said this, he fell asleep and died. Stephen was stoned to death, saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And listen, Jesus is usually seated. In fact, God the Father said to him, Hebrews chapter one, also uh, in the Old Testament, in Psalm 101, and there's where it says of the Lord Jesus Christ, that God the Father said to him, sit at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. And Jesus sat down, but you know what? A few days after the, after the day of Pentecost, he stood up for just a moment to greet the first martyr that was being brought into heaven and sat down again. So to say that Stephen was not ador- adored in heaven, to say he was not honored in heaven is wrong because Jesus who was supposed to be seated, even told by the father to sit at his right hand, stood up for a moment. I'm sure God the father nodded and said, this is okay. He stood up and then sat down as Stephen was stoned and they did this to welcome his spirit into heaven. Stephen went to heaven and received the first martyr's crown. Revelation chapter two and verse 10 tells us this. It says in verse 10, fear none of these things which you shall suffer. Behold, the devil will cast some of you into prison that you may be tried and you shall have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Underline the word crown, because the Greek word for crown is Stephanos. Stephanos is the name of Stephen. The name crown was given for Stephen. Stephen's name means crown. In heaven, he received a Stephen. So the circle is now complete. He has now gone to heaven. Now, the point of it was, we're going to compare Stephen in this broadcast to Philip tomorrow. Philip lived an entire life all the way up. We're not told how he died, but you know what? Even in old age, he was living in the city of Caesarea, had four daughters that prophesied. They just kept, he was married, had four daughters. They continued his ministry in the anointing of the supernatural because he was a, uh, he was an evangelist. And they continued in the, in the stepping out of prophecy and fulfill the office of prophets. So again, in this particular case though, uh, Stephen goes into heaven after one sermon and he ends up in heaven and there he receives a Stephanus, a crown for Stephen. So the circle is now complete. And what do I mean by that? Well, go back with me to Acts chapter eight. We're gonna take a look at verse two for just a moment. Faithful men are always needed. And when good men die that have been in the ministry or good men step out, there's always faithful men to back them up. And I want you to notice the qualifications don't change at all. In Acts chapter eight and verse two, as soon as Stephen died, literally they walked off and left him. This crowd that stoned him didn't care a thing about his body. They just walked off. And it goes on to say in Acts eight, two, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. In other words, words, the circle never stops. Whatever started, that's how, it be, that's how it keeps on going. You want to know about getting in the ministry? Don't be afraid to bury dead people. I mean, you might be looking around and say, well, no one else is doing this. Well, you do it and do it as unto the Lord, not looking for any commendation, not looking for anything from people because people don't promote you. God who sees in secret and watches the fact that you buried dead people, clean toilets, vacuum carpet, work with children, change diapers, sees all those things and will bring you your individual call. And then on top of that, once your life is over, other men will come in and literally the qualifications don't change. The qualification is faithfulness, 
faithfulness, faithfulness. Above all, it's required of a steward that a man be found faithful. Jesus will not tell you on the day you receive all of your awards in heaven, he will not say to you, well done, good and qualified servant. He's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. This is what God always looks for is faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. Is that what your ministry is? I trust it is. I trust that you will completely give yourself more over to faithfulness in the church. Quit looking for people to promote you and understand the God who has now called you will open up doors for you simply based on one thing. I was faithful to do what he asked me to do and what I saw needed to be done. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll talk about Philip. Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.